What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Hoop Society Podcast. I am your host, Alex. Uh, first things first, we'll get right into it. Uh, Tobias Harris just hit a really nice game winner uh, to win the game for the 76ers over the Lakers tonight. Obviously, this is the first seed in the East going against the first seed in the West, and they came to play. I was really, really impressed uh, with both teams, honestly. Both teams played really, really well, uh, but ultimately the 76ers came out on top, and I'm starting to really take the 76ers seriously as finals contenders, uh, as championship contenders. They have a really well-rounded team, really complete team, and I'll be honest, uh, I've had some concerns. Um, if you listen to the Got Hoops podcast that I'm on every week uh, with Hoops Q, uh, we talked about Ben Simmons, and I'm critical of Ben Simmons. I have concerns about him not uh, having really any stretchability uh, in the half court. Uh, when when the game slows down in the playoffs, it'll be interesting to see how they adapt to that. But tonight, I was really impressed. He had his 31st uh, career triple-double which is just really impressive for a player of his age, uh, for how short he's been in the league. Uh, he is a really, really good player, and obviously he gets a lot of slander because he had the controversial Rookie of the Year award. Um, he plays for the 76ers, who are already a bit of a controversial team uh, that draws a lot of criticism. And, you know, I, I got to give Ben Simmons the respect that he deserves here. He is a really, really talented player, and I think... People get hung up on how many points you're scoring every game. Uh, they get hung up on your three-point percentage. They get hung up on how many mid-range shots you're hitting. But with Ben Simmons, he doesn't need to do that. And that's ultimately what I am starting to have to realize uh, within myself and my criticisms of his game is that Ben Simmons is probably never going to be the player who's going to be hitting uh, contested mid-range shots or hitting step-back threes, or even open corner threes for that matter. He's just not that kind of player, and that's fine because he doesn't need to be. Ben Simmons is a player who brings so much to the table outside of shooting that he's able to make up for it, and I think him and Embiid are really the perfect tandem right now, and we're seeing that start to take shape, and I'm excited to see that carry over into the playoffs because uh, we've obviously seen it before. Um, in the playoffs when they went up against the Raptors uh, in that really, really great series that went all the way to seven games and really was was won on a Kawhi Leonard uh, buzzer beater. So we know that they can they can put up a fight in the playoffs. Even Embiid by himself last year in the bubble was able to put up a fight pretty much single-handedly in the playoffs, averaging over 30 points and 10 rebounds per game on uh, really efficient shooting. And this year, he's the MVP frontrunner. Uh, that may be a controversial opinion. I know some people have LeBron James. Some people have Jokic. Some people are really vying for Luka. Uh, but it's Embiid. Embiid is, without a doubt, the MVP frontrunner. And I'm not going to listen to arguments otherwise until anyone's doing what Joel Embiid is doing. Uh, you look at how Giannis won... MVP last year and even the year before that he he was putting up numbers similar to what Joel Embiid is doing right now but Joel Embiid is doing it while able to stretch the floor he has great low post footwork he's hitting mid-range shots he's handling the ball at the top of the key he's getting rebounds he's playing at a defensive player of the year level and he's the he is 
the reason that the 76ers are such a good team right now. If you take Joel Embiid off that team, I really don't see them being where they're at right now. Obviously, they may still be able to compete for a playoff spot. We don't know for sure. But are they a legitimate championship contender without Joel Embiid? Absolutely not. Not, not a chance that they are in, in the spot that they're at right now without Joel Embiid. They need him. And that, in my opinion, is... Everyone gets hung up nowadays, I think, on the whole MVP narrative. They don't, they don't really care about the statistics and actually if you're valuable to your team. And I don't like to get too hung up on statistics. I know uh, if you've listened to some of my earlier podcast episodes and, and some of the uh, podcast episodes that I've done with uh, the Got Hoops guys, uh, you know that I, I, I like stats. I think they're important when evaluating a player's game. But, uh, you know, you can't just go off of narrative here. I know uh, I was listening to um, Stephen A. Smith in the in the pregame show, and I forget who he had on, but basically he was making the argument that LeBron James deserves MVP simply because it's year his 18th season. He's 36 years old. Who else is doing this at 36 years old? And who else is doing these things uh, in year 18 of their career? And you know, that's great. And it's super impressive. And hats off to LeBron James, one of the greatest players ever. One or two, depending on who you talk to. I'm not going to get into who my greatest player of all time is because that's not what we're talking about here but LeBron James what he's doing is incredibly impressive and I don't want to take away from that but Joel Embiid if you take him off that 76ers team they are not even close to what they are right now same with if you take uh, Nikola Jokic off that team they're not even remotely close to the team that they are now uh, Joel Embiid is leading the league in player efficiency rating. He is shooting uh, either close to or over 40% from three. He is averaging crazy efficiency. Uh, he's playing like the second coming of Wilt Chamberlain right now. If Wilt Chamberlain had a three-point shot and could handle the ball uh, with ease as a seven-footer. And the things that Joel Embiid is currently doing need to be taken seriously. Now, obviously, we talked about this in the other podcast, the Got Hoops podcast. Go check it out if you haven't listened to it already. But availability is the best ability. And can Joel Embiid stay healthy? We've seen last year he he, he was fairly healthy throughout the season. A uh, year before that, he was fairly healthy. He, he missed, uh, I think, around 20 games. But for the most part, he, he played 75% of the games that season. And I don't think we need to you know, freak out as much anymore about Joel Embiid's uh, quote-unquote injury problems. Uh, I don't think they're just as much of an issue anymore. I think earlier on in his career, that was definitely something that that needed to be taken into account when addressing his play, when addressing that team. Uh, but I just don't think that's the case anymore. Joel Embiid clearly has taken his health seriously. Uh, he's taken his skill and fundamentals seriously. And it's showing in every single game that they're playing right now. Joel Embiid is just an incredible player. Now, the 76ers as a whole are a very, very well-constructed team. Give Daryl Morey his roses because the moves that he was able to make for this 76ers team to uh, you know, fix their problems and get them into championship contention, just really really smart moves and they seem like obvious moves now but 
I don't know any other GM that would be able to pull off what Daryl Morey has done. Uh, trading uh, Seth Curry or uh, trading Josh Richardson for Seth Curry. Very savvy move that I don't think a lot of people would have thought about. Uh, it seems so obvious now, and hindsight is twenty twenty. But you know, Seth Curry fits that team so well because you need to surround Ben Simmons with shooters. You need to surround Joel Embiid with shooters. These guys have great interior gravity, so you need to surround them with shooters in order to to generate these open looks to guys that can knock down threes uh, beyond the arc. And we're seeing that right now. Uh, Seth Curry is leading the league in three point percentage. Absolutely incredible lights out shooter and not only that but Danny Green and you know Danny Green is a little streaky that's been the story his entire career is how streaky he is and how how much can you really rely on him but Danny Green is proving that he is a reliable player so far throughout the season and what he lacks on nights when he's not hitting his shots he makes up for in fairly strong defense, and he can offer you a little bit of playmaking when you need it. Another player on their team that's kind of flying under the radar right now is Shake Milton. Shake Milton, in my opinion, is honestly a six-man-of-the-year candidate. He's having a great season. I don't know his stats off the top of my head. Last time I checked, he was averaging 16 points per game on really efficient shooting. So this team has so many good players. They're really deep. And I think Doc Rivers, for as much hate as he got after the Clippers series against the Nuggets, where they blew that 3-1 lead, he's a good coach. And I think he fits this team really, really well. And not only not only that, but uh, I've talked about it in earlier episodes, but Tobias Harris is, is playing like a man possessed right now. He's playing like the Clippers Tobias Harris that we came to know. And, you know, he made an all-star game. Just a fantastic score. And he hit that game winner. And he needs to get the respect that he deserves. And Doc Rivers, right now, what he's doing with this team is pretty impressive. And and I definitely think that Doc Rivers deserves some criticism. But at the same time, Doc Rivers is a really good coach. He's been around the league for a really long time. And having a smart uh, championship caliber veteran coach like that is super important to, you know, creating a championship team, someone that is a legitimate finals contender. And to me, I don't think the Brooklyn Nets defense is quite on the level that it needs to be to take down this Philly team. And we'll see what moves they make prior to the trade deadline. There's rumors of an Andre Drummond buyout. Uh, there's rumors that they're trying to get Kevin Love, which in my opinion would do absolutely nothing for their defense and would be a completely backwards move for what they're trying to do. But uh, the 76ers, I think this is their year to come out of the East if they've ever had a chance. Uh, obviously, in 2019, they definitely had that chance. And I think, you know, if Kawhi Leonard doesn't make that shot, they go to the finals and they they would have the chance to take down the Warriors. And who knows if the Warriors would have ended up having the same injury luck that they had <coughs> With, with Clay Thompson going down and Kevin Durant going down. But uh, the 76ers have the opportunity to do something big here. And I think we're starting to see that take shape. And I think a lot of NBA fans, including myself, have been surprised. And it's time that they start being taken seriously. Now, moving on, uh, there's a player that is very close to my heart. 
that I grew up watching um, was a big part of my childhood and my adolescent years. Uh, loved watching him. And he's really turning into a bit of a sad situation, and it really hurts to see. And that is Russell Westbrook. Um, his season so far with the Wizards has just been really, really rough. There are obviously reports that he is battling a quad injury, uh, and I hope he recovers from that. But free Bradley Beal, he is in a tough situation with the Wizards right now. Um, obviously, they traded John Wall for Russell Westbrook, which obviously hindsight is twenty twenty. You think that you're going to get the January through March version of Russell Westbrook, and in reality, you get, uh, you know, Worstbrook. You get uh, first round of the playoffs against uh, against the Jazz. Russell Westbrook. He's averaging horrible, horrible efficiency. His assist to turnover ratio is not great. Uh, his defense is not great. He brings the intensity, but the problem is when you overdo the intensity, uh, you get tunnel vision, and we see that with Russell Westbrook a lot. He's putting up just really ugly, contested mid-range jumpers. It's clear that he hasn't taken his fundamentals super seriously as his athleticism has started to decline, and he's battling these injuries. Uh, so that's just a very, very clear problem. When The thing that makes Russell Westbrook Russell Westbrook is his ability to thrive and transition. Uh, and, and really play make on the fast break and get to the rim. And obviously, if you're battling an injury, you're not able to do that. And so we're seeing this dichotomy with Russell Westbrook that is resulting in a disconnect in him mentally where he's trying to play like that super athletic transition player that we're used to, that we saw uh, when he had Paul George on his team. And even in Houston... And that's not able to happen anymore because his athleticism is declining, whether it be due to injuries or age. But mentally, he's still playing like that player that we got used to. So, what do the Wizards do? That's the big question that a lot of people a lot of people are asking right now. You have Bradley Beal. You have Russell Westbrook. Uh, Russell Westbrook is on this massive contract. Uh, you can't you can't really trade Russell Westbrook. I mean, that just doesn't make sense. Uh, no one's going to trade for um, uh, a 31, 32, 33-year-old. I don't know how old he is off the top of my head. Uh, but this 30-plus-year-old, um, formerly super athletic point guard with wearing knees and nagging injuries, you're not going to trade for him. He's making 30-plus million dollars a year. You just No team in their right mind is going to trade for him because it doesn't make sense. You don't trade for an injured player with an awful contract. That's why Kevin Love has taken so long to get traded. That's why Blake Griffin isn't really a tradable asset out of Detroit right now. Uh, and Bradley Beal obviously is leading the league in scoring right now. He's, he's scoring like a man possessed and Bradley Beal is an incredible player. And it's sad to see him wasting his, his prime in Washington. And you know, to the, to the Washington front office, shame on you. Uh, for lacking the flexibility and, and making these moves that lock you into salary cap hell and basically just ends up in you giving Davis Bertans an awful contract, trading for a player with an awful contract in Russell Westbrook, and then you're just crippled. Thomas Bryant obviously had some awful injury luck, 
and I hope he gets well soon. But even when they had Thomas Bryant, it's not like they were winning games. When Russell Westbrook hasn't played, they are winning games. So do I think that Russell Westbrook is a bad player? No, not necessarily. But right now, he is a very clear net negative to your team. So I don't know what the move is for Washington. Do you trade Bradley Beal and kickstart another rebuild? I mean, do you really want to start another rebuild after you've been going through this quote-unquote rebuild for the past four to five years uh, since John Wall uh, was healthy? I I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. I mean, you should trade. I mean, Bradley Beal's on a contract here right now. Bradley Beal is going to have the most value he's ever had in his career right now because whatever team is going to trade for him, Uh, If you're trying to contend for a championship, Bradley Beal is the player that you trade for. He is that ceiling raiser. He is that floor raiser. He is someone who can take your team to the next level if you're trying to compete for a championship. He takes you to that contending uh, level that teams are looking for right now coming up on the trade deadline. Obviously, you have to give up a lot for him. But teams with high draft capital, teams with maybe a good young player looking to compete, uh, you can definitely make a case that that Washington should trade Bradley Beal because you're not going to re-sign him. I promise you, Bradley Beal does not want to be in Washington anymore. Uh, They have had the chance to prove that they can put a high-quality team around him, and they failed. They've betrayed his trust time and time again with the trades that they've made and the contracts extensions that they've done they just are not a competent franchise so i think you need to trade bradley beal you need to take a look at the front office if you're ownership and you need to say hey you guys aren't working you're not doing you're not doing what you were hired to do and it's time for you to get out of here it's time to bring in a new coach scott brooks still having a job has got to be one of the most mysterious things in the NBA. Scott Brooks must have some really, really good, juicy dirt on Washington ownership because he should not have a job right now. He is probably the worst coach in the league. He is obviously the coach who took the young Oklahoma City Thunder to uh, a championship, but you know, was that really Scott Brooks or was that Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Serge Ibaka, all of those guys? So the fact that Scott Brooks still has a job is amazing to me. And I think a lot of people thought, oh, uh, Scott Brooks and Russell Westbrook re- reuniting together. They have chemistry. They've, they've been, they've, uh, Scott Brooks has coached Russell Westbrook before, so this will work. And it's just not. And, you know, Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, despite getting the same result. And we're seeing that with Washington. They're doing the same exact thing over and over again in just getting the same result. So I hope they do Bradley Beal right. I hope they do their due diligence and, you know, they're probably going to have to kickstart another rebuild. And if, if, if you're a Washington fan listening to this, uh, salute to you because you're a trooper uh, rooting for a team like this. The last, uh, the last thing I want to talk about before we get out of here today is uh, a team that I think doesn't really get the respect that they deserve. Uh, we talked about it a little bit on the Got Hoops podcast. Uh, 
Uh, and that is the Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz are fighting for the one seed in the Western Conference. Donovan Mitchell is playing with the best efficiency of his career. He's been entered into concussion protocol, so uh, prayers up to him. Hopefully he gets well soon and he's back out there. Rudy Gobert is looking like he could definitely win another Defensive Player of the Year award. Uh, and he's offensively, you know, I'm not saying he's stretching the floor. I'm not saying he's hitting mid-range shots or anything like that. But Rudy Gobert offensively has looked pretty good so far this season. Uh, Mike Conley is playing like the Mike Conley of old that we got used to in Memphis. He's looking really, really good. I've been super impressed with his playmaking. He's shooting it really, really well. He's playing solid defense. So not only that, all of these things combined, you also have a really good bench and a really good uh, rotation. You've got Boyan Bogdanovich. Uh, Jordan Clarkson is looking like the sixth man of the year front runner right now. Uh, really, really impressive stuff from him. Joe Ingles is playing really solid defense and shooting it fairly well. Uh, even Georges Niang is looking really good. Royce O'Neal looking really, really good. Uh, Derek Favors looking good. This team has a lot of weapons, and are they going to dethrone the Lakers out of the West? Who knows? It's it's just way too early to tell. We're only 25% of the way through the season so far, but the Utah Jazz are a team that should not be... They're a team that should not be taken lightly. If you're going into the playoffs against the Utah Jazz and say it's the second round, they are not a team that I want to see in the second round. They're a team that upsets these big name teams. They're the Denvers that upset the Clippers. They're, uh, you know, they're definitely fighting for a spot in the Western Conference Championship. And will they dethrone the Lakers? Who knows? Will they see the Lakers in the playoffs? Maybe not. Maybe someone else knocks out the Lakers somehow. That seems super unlikely, but you never know. Crazier things have happened. But the Utah Jazz are a threat. They are a legitimate threat. And not only are they a great defensive team with a great defensive anchor and two great defensive players in Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, they also have a very potent offense. I watched them the other night absolutely dismantle the New Orleans Pelicans. Just picked that team apart bit by bit and destroyed them. And... The Pelicans obviously are not looking great. Stan Van Gundy has not done a great job with that team. But still, they're a team that you have to come prepared to play because they have so many weapons. Zion is having a great year. Uh, Brandon Ingram is having a great season. Uh, even Eric Bledsoe is having a great season right now. Uh, Steven Adams is, is doing really well for them. But, you know, they picked apart that team bit by bit. And I was really, really impressed with that. So the Utah Jazz need to be on your radar, uh, and I think they are a threat for the one seed because in this shortened season, I've, I've been seeing Anthony Davis show up with more and more injuries throughout this season. He's been grabbing his knees and his hips and his thighs and his feet. You know, There's a very good chance that we see an Anthony Davis injury this year. That wouldn't surprise me one bit. Anthony Davis has, uh, you know, everyone calls him Data Davis because uh, you never know if he's just going to show up with a random injury out of nowhere. And it, it doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility for that to happen this season. Obviously they had the shortened off season. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, 
and guys, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to like, uh, leave a comment what you thought. If you disagree with me, share that in the comments. Let's, uh, let's debate uh, and subscribe. Uh, and if you're listening on a podcast platform, whether that be Spotify, Anchor, uh, Apple, Google Play Store, whatever it may be, uh, be sure to follow the feed. And also follow me on Instagram at Alex King NBA. I'm posting clips. Um, I'm posting, you know, uh, pictures um, for for debate around the NBA. And uh, we'll see you guys in the next one. Thanks for watching.